0: Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. We're in a message series we've called Boy Meets Girl, and we're looking at the differences between men and women, how God's wired all that together, and why. Because as we begin to look at uh, the two genders, we can learn some things about ourselves and about marriage. So that's what we're doing. We're digging in here today. Today we're going to look at understanding men But before we do, I'd like to back up to last week. Last week, we talked about some key things. First of all, that there is design and purpose in the differences between men and women. Our culture has mass amnesia about this. As you watch TV and the movies, um, there's this tendency to want to squash men and women into the same mold, and they refuse to do that. that. That really doesn't work. It's caused some real problems in marriages and in dating patterns. Uh, because by God's intent, we are complementary opposites, like two corners of a box that make a whole. Without both corners, you, you don't have the whole box. That's, that's what it meant. God made a suitable helper for Adam. Uh, that, that's what that means, complementary opposite, counterpart. The, a woman and a man, they're counterparts to one another. And we attract to the opposite sex because we we need help we need we need the kind of help that they can particularly bring as we go about doing what God has assigned us to do. They're carrying out the responsibilities He's given us and fulfilling the purpose that He's made us for uh, we We need each other. The unique strengths of a woman and of a man add a dimension to life that you you don't experience. Uh, if, if you just hang around guys or just hang around gals. But the problem is things easily go awry when we lean on each other for the things that only God can provide. <clears throat> we repel at times. There's problems. There's sparks of the wrong kind fly when we get together because we, we go to, if you're married, you go to your husband or your wife. To meet needs that only God can meet. Only God can help us deal with guilt and shame. And if you find yourself going to other people to try to make yourself feel better about that, then you're on shaky ground. If, if we go to God to find the forgiveness that only he gives, that can be, then, that love and forgiveness we find in God can be the foundation for all other relationships, especially marriage. It gives you something to draw from as you go to give yourself to the other person. This is important stuff. Marriage is designed to be like two puzzle pieces that fit together in a certain way. If you eliminate the distinctiveness of the genders, then marriage suffers. And life itself is sort of bland. We, we don't fit, without that distinctiveness, we don't fit together the way that God meant for us to, to fit together. And the, the edges of difference that hold a marriage together are gone. So today we're going to look at the unique design that God has for men and, and what they add to life. That's what we're digging into today. When God created Adam, the first man, <clears throat> he formed the general template for all men. All of us who would follow, that's the general template. We can see in him some things that God did and some some responsibilities that he built in and otherwise that we can learn from. When, when Adam sinned, though, as you get into the first few chapters of Genesis, find out Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. They busted through the boundaries he set up. And, and when Adam sinned and rebelled against God, that template was warped. And so now we struggle with some things. We're going to look at some things that we struggle with because of that. But still, God has wired in some key characteristics that are a part of this template that he intended for all cultures and all times, regardless of your individual personality. If you're a man, these things should, should, be, should be a part of your makeup. And they are a part of your makeup. You may have to reach way down to find them, but, but they're there. God's put them into you. Here's a video clip that illustrates a couple of those qualities. It's from the movie Kingdom of Heaven. And what's happening in the clip is a massive army is attacking Jerusalem. And one of the noblemen of the city does something and says something to call the men to do what they need to do. Let's watch the clip. It's gonna be a long clip. <laughs> you guys need to reboot or do something different, or we're retooling. We can abandon ship and do something different. No. we're puzzled we have puzzled looks on our faces and we're not sure what's going on <clears throat> you know let me let me move on to the passage first corinthians 16 because in in that passage what you would have seen <laughs> uh is is an illustration of what it says in this passage so we're just we're just going to look at it first corinthians 16 13 through 14 This is a list of commands given specifically to men in the New Testament. From it we learn what God made men to do, how he made us to be. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage. That that literally is act like men. Be men of courage. It's synonymous. Act like a man. Be strong. Do everything in love. And here in this passage, you see the heart of a man. God, God has wired us with these things. Courage and strength are the bedrock of what God made men to be. They're, they're not exclusively male traits, courage and strength. Women show courage and strength. But men are especially called to do these two things and protect and lead to make sure that the right things happen in in their areas of responsibility, particularly in marriage. When the children of Israel, when the Israelites were perched on the edge of the promised land, God, through Joshua, gave some commands to the men. He says in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, be, be strong and of good courage? The Hebrew words there that that was originally written in, Mean to be strong means to get a grip on the fight. Don't slack. Don't slack in your hands. That's that's a foolish behavior. Y'all is a, a Hebrew word that means to slack in your hand. That's foolish. You get a grip and you do what God has asked you to do. You that's that's what it means to be strong. Courage means that you act with valor when you see something needs to be done. You you take action to do the right thing. To, to do what really matters. This is how it is. As, as they were perched, God had promised to give them this land, but they had to go take it. They had to go claim the promises of God with strength and courage. And this is how it is in life. The promises of God are there. And God wants us to use them, to live our lives on them, but it takes strength and courage to see them fulfilled in our life. We, we have to do that. But particularly, what you see in Scripture is that God made men to have the courage to fight. You know, guys are just aggressive. You know, men, they are. I have never been walking through my living room or my den area and been taken down by my daughter. It's just, it's it's never happened. Not once. She's not even tried. She doesn't care to even... Go there. But there was a period of time in my son's life where, where I had to sort of be leery, you know, or I should have been. You know, oh, there he is. He's trying to take me down. That's how guys are. If, if you want to see the difference between a man and a woman, have a boy and a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the difference. Boys are Aggressive. The reason is the chemical makeup in our bodies, testosterone, guys have more of it. And it, it makes you aggressive. It, it, there's an aggression to it, raw aggression, though it can be dangerous and destructive. And, and I think in, in some ways our, our society has uh, dealt with this in fear and tried to squash it. But we really need it because it shares the substance of courage, that, that aggression. If you add a moral component to aggression, you you have courage. And that's what God intends. He he intends that men fight for the right things, like marriage. He wants us to fight men for the right things. Genesis 2.24, this is a passage that's usually read or quoted or spoken at a wedding. I've said it many times at a wedding. And it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Why is it addressed to the man? The man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. He is the one that leaves and cleaves, or is united, same words, translated cleave sometimes. Leave and cleave sounds better. The word united in this translation, the Hebrew word literally means to cling to, to adhere to, to stick to. And it has the idea that then of pursuing someone to the end. And that's the responsibility a man takes in marriage. He is literally to keep on pursuing his wife and not allow anything to come between he and her. He is to pursue her and be willing to fight through whatever tries to, to come between them. He's, he's to, to, to battle through and deal with anything that tries to get a hold on her. A real man doesn't allow anything to come between he and his wife. That's what you find in Scripture. That's why uh, we have the knight in shining armor as a symbol that women you know, or looking for that knight and charming. They want somebody to come do something to make this right. Don't just sit there. Say something. Say what needs to be said. Do what needs to be said. And men, we are made originally to do that. We are. I understand the video is working. So if you're curious, it'll fit here. But it'll show this about men. Let's watch. Let's see if it works this time. Okay, wasn't meant to be. That's all right. Wasn't meant to be. Good try. <laughs> um, it's interesting, this leaving and cleaving, that it's, it's commanded for the men. And, you know, every culture has rules for dating. We, we don't have very many anymore. And it, it would help us if we did. But generally, the man has to jump through a series of hoops in order to marry the woman. There's a reason for that. It, it protects the woman, and it, it, it requires that the man show courage, and that, that is a very good thing. I, I still remember, you know, here in our society, a lot of times the, the only hoop is talk to the dad. Sometimes we don't do that, but I did that. I remember the lump in my throat to this day, the knot in my stomach, as I was asking Cindy's dad whether or not I could have her hand in marriage. And uh, that was good. It was a good thing to do. It was good for me to fight through that and be willing to show the courage to ask him. Uh, he, We had a very pointed conversation. I asked him if I could have her hand in marriage. It felt like it was about a five-minute question to go into the ministry. And I have fulfilled his concerns. <laughs> I have taken care of his daughter by the grace of God, but I have fulfilled his concerns. Um, because that's what God called me to do, and He knew that, so He had some very pointed questions for me. But you know what? You go, a man goes through this, and, and ladies, you don't want to marry a coward. You really don't. This is a good thing. These, these hoops are set up for a reason. <laughs> these hurdles. To protect you and to show, let's see what the man's made of. You, you, marrying a coward is a horrible thing. You need a man who will fight for the right things. You need a man who will begin pursuing you and will pursue you to the end. But every man today deals with a problem that we were infected by uh, through the first Adam, through the first man Adam. Sin warps God's design and men get passive. That's what you find in Scripture. Genesis 3:6. This is when the woman succumbed to temptation, busted through God's boundaries. This is the first sin. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. For a long time, I read this passage, and my picture was the woman was off in the garden. She you know, grabbed the fruit, took a bite, then she grabbed another one, took it back to her husband, and you know, gave him a bite. But look at this. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. He was standing there. He didn't speak up. God had given him the command. He had, he had given Adam the boundary to live within. But the man didn't say anything. He didn't do anything to stop it. He just let it happen. And this is the problem with sin and its effects on men. It turns men passive, which is the very opposite of what God made us to be. Like the first man, when it's time to speak up, we have this tendency to hold back. When when it's time to do something, we stand back and watch. God made us to have strength and courage to speak up, to step in, to to get a hold of the situation and move forward. But because of sin, we have this tendency to, to hang back and hold back and not do the right we know to do. Listen to this story about King Ahab. Later on, we're going to have some next steps you can take. And one of the things you could do is read 1 Kings 1 20 through 22, which gives the whole picture. But what was happening here, it's interesting. You see a pattern that men and women live out today. This was over a thousand years ago. Um, And you see this pattern today, even. But God had just given uh, King Ahab two major victories over the Aramean army. And he turned, he turned to God, trusted God, fought the battle. <clears throat> and after the second battle, he didn't follow through and obey a command that God had given him. So through a prophet, God told King Ahab he was going to pay a price for that. Then, it says at the end of chapter 20, it says that he became sullen and angry. He pouted. And in the first part of 21, he tried to buy a vineyard from his neighbor, Naboth. Tried to buy a vineyard from him. Naboth didn't want to sell it to him. So it says here, here's where we pick it up in verse 4. So Ahab went home, sullen, sulking, and angry because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. Lay on his bed, when it says sulking there, it means to turn away. Just like a little kid, you go in, they've ran into their room, they're mad because you didn't let them do something or have something, and you go in to talk to them, and they turn away, and they ignore you. That, that's what he's doing here on the bed. He lay on his bed sulking and refusing. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered her, Because I said to Naboth. <laughs> The Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I'll give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. He wouldn't give it to me. I mean, this is really what's happening here. Then Jezebel, his wife, said, is this how you act as king over Israel? That's a really good question. Hey, you're the king. Come on. Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So she steps in. Oh, hey, that's all right. I'll take care of it. A good man would have let this go and move on. Wouldn't have cried like a little baby on his bed. A bad guy would have just taken the vineyard. He was king. He had the power to just take it. But what does Ahab do? He goes to his room and sulks and pouts. Jezebel ends up doing what a lot of wives do. If if a guy's passive in an area, many times they'll step in and take care of what needs to be done. They'll take his responsibility and step in and do that, like a mother with her child. Guys, if you let your wives do that, your self-respect is going to rot. You need You need to step up and be a man, show the strength and the courage to do what needs to be done. Ladies, if you do this, you need to stop. Because you're enabling him in some ways that are hurting your marriage and adding to his self respect. So you, you, your guy needs to grow up, and you need to let him do that. But from Adam until now, there's a tendency for men to retreat when they need to pursue. When there's a problem with the kids, or you're rejected by your wife. This is time to prove your manhood. This is time to get a grip, to understand what needs to be done. God, help me figure this out. Give me the strength I need and the courage to take the action that needs to be taken. Not retreat into a fantasy world. Guys do that. They go into fantasy world of video games or pornography and they check out. They retreat into those worlds rather than lead in the way that God has, has called them to lead. If if the man wants the marriage to work, in most cases it's will. That's, it, it will. That's why Genesis 2 says that to the man. <clears throat> Pursue your wife to the end. If you want it to work, it will work. And we're about to find out that God holds the man accountable for the marriage, the whole thing, in a way he doesn't hold the woman accountable. The reason is, God made men with the strength to bear the load of responsibility. Genesis 3, 8 through 12. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God. This is immediately after they sinned. They busted through the boundaries. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man. Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God said, Who who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me. (laughs) You ever seen that happen? She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Husbands are responsible for the marriage as a whole. That's one thing that we learn. Why did God go to the man? Because he was responsible in a way that the woman was not. Now, she was. She was held accountable by God and responsible for her individual actions. But the man is responsible in a way that the woman is not. He didn't take the first bite, but he was responsible for the whole thing. This is what it means to be the head of a household. This is... This whole idea is terribly misunderstood today, what it means to be the head of a household. Marriage is a covenant. That means that it's an agreement that you make before God. God God sees it. He's, He's watching. And you make it before him. He's included in this. And when something is covenantal, there's a head of that covenantal entity. Marriage itself is an entity. Every marriage. Is a corporation, sort of. It's a corporate thing. And to be the head of that corporation means that you're responsible for the whole thing. What happens when things are going well in the government? The head of the government is praised. What what happens when the government's corrupt? corrupt? You try to take the head of the government down. It's the same with a corporation. What happens when there's... Uh, some problems like in Enron. They didn't, they didn't go line up all the the, the the administrative help in Enron. They lined up the, the CEO. And he went down. Because he's responsible for everything that's going on in that corporation. That's the same with marriage. If If you step into a marriage as a husband, you're the one that's responsible before God. You're the head. That means you're closest to God. In fact, one of the illustrations is men lose their hair. That's an illustration of our accountability to God, Scripture says. We're, we're accountable directly to Him for what's going on in that marriage. That's why it is so important for men to be the men that God has made us to be. Because we are going to answer to Him and we have the strength, we should muster the courage to make this thing work and fulfill the purpose that God has given us to fulfill. One of the main ideas behind, one of the main applications of being the head of this marriage entity like this is that you shouldn't blame your wife for anything. Sometimes men, like Adam, you know, remember the woman you gave me? <laughs> she took the bite. It was her. She did it first. Um, One of the things we do is we, 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 in a measly, weak little way, we begin to blame our wives or we blame our kids. You know, if they were different, then, boy, I think our marriage would work. Or if, if they would straighten up, man, my life would be good. But, you know, until they do, I'm just checking out. No. God holds you responsible to lead with courage and strength to make it right that's what you find in scripture and she is going to be held accountable for her actions if if she messes up sins she she is going to be held accountable before god for her actions but in a different way than the guy because the guy is in charge of the whole thing and that means that god gave you the strength he gave you the courage And he holds you accountable to make it work. And to do the purposes that God has laid before you in your family. If you don't like the way something's going, you're supposed to lead the charge, man. You're you're supposed to figure out. And Ephesians 5 is very specific about how to do that. You do it in a... love. You lead in a loving way that's sacrificial and considerate of your wife. That's what it means to be a man. And we need men in our country who will do that. There's a story that I I hardly can get through every time my sister was telling me. Again, this week I asked her to refresh my memory, but she, uh, surely she's here today. My mom's been a little sick. And I'm probably not going to make it through this story, but I'll just warn you ahead of time. And I hope it makes sense. But uh, she was married to Bob, Bob and Shirley. He was in the Army for 28 years. And they were stationed in Germany. And she said one morning they, she heard him start her car up. And she thought, well, that's, that's a bummer. I'm going to have to drive his car to work. She didn't really want to. But she asked him later that night, why why'd you start my car? you know i heard you start my car and then he gets out of the car goes to his car and takes off goes to work and what had been happening at that time in germany is uh american servicemen and their families were being targeted by a certain group and they were they were putting bombs in the car so sometimes when you sat in the seat the bomb would go off sometimes when you started the car it would it would go off and he told her that I, I couldn't, um, I could not go to work, wondering whether or not your car was going to blow up. That's what it means to be a man. You, you, you protect. You lead with courage and strength. And to be the head of a household means that you take the hit first you sacrifice out of love for your wife and family and we moan and bellyache because we can't get our way (laughs) we go to our room and we sulk and cry sometimes because they're not letting me do what i want but you know what that's not what really matters What really matters is that God has given you the responsibility as a man to make that marriage work, to make the family accomplish his purpose, and you as a man were made to set your sights on that and to make it happen. You've got to keep trying. I know there are two people involved and And sometimes it's difficult to lead, but don't whine about it. Figure it out. How do I do this? How do I lead and pull my family in the right direction? How do I do that? That's what God's called us to do as men. The fact is that men become stronger as they bear more and more responsibility. We, we have this thing in us that wants to so we want to run from it. From that responsibility but as you bear more and more you get stronger and more manly you get weaker if you shift the blame and that's pathetic a weak man abdicates his responsibility and that leads to all kinds of problems here's another thing weakness in men can easily turn to anger if, if you do the Ahab thing and let your wife or others step in and take your responsibility for things that you should be handling as as a man, you can do a couple things with that. One thing you can do is resentment can build as your self-respect is rotting. And you can just sit and simmer in the anger. Or you can blow. Sometimes we blow as sort of a smoke screen and i I'll get to that. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. The word fool here is a Hebrew word, k-e-c-i-y-l. It's a certain kind of fool. We have one word for fool in the English. There are nine in Hebrew. <clears throat> one of those is kasil. And uh, this pattern of fool is they slack. They're slackers. They are lazy. They don't, they try to skate by and not handle their responsibilities. They try to do the bare minimum just to sort of stay alive and to keep the relationships going that they're involved in or to ha- keep the responsibilities moving. Bare minimum, try to get by with that. If they get caught slacking, what they do is they blow to cover themselves, they get angry. They give full vent to their anger, and and they blow to sort of put up the smoke screen. Hey, honey, why didn't you get to that today? (laughs) They can't think of a really good lie, or they're caught in the lie. That's what happens. Weakness in men can easily turn to anger. This is particularly a man problem. Women struggle with it, too. But this is particularly a man foolish pattern. It tends to be. We put up that smoke screen. Let me say this as we wrap things up. If you are dating, look for a man who's better in school. How are they doing with that? Blaming someone else. Coming to you and pouting or sulking, wanting your sympathy. Run. Okay? I'm serious. Single guys, if you want to be attractive... Get a grip on your responsibilities. Be faithful. Don't just skate. Get your hands, that strength, that word strength means get a grip. Get your hands around the things that you need to be doing. Figure out the purposes for which God has made you and show courage to do what He's made you to do. If you need a job, make that your full-time occupation. I'm a full-time job seeker. That's what I do. Get after it. Don't just hang around. Show courage in life and in ministry. It takes, you know, it takes courage to try to help people come to know Christ. Boy, if, if you give yourself to, the, to that and to the things that really matter, you're going to be more attractive to the women who are around. Don't, don't worry about an extreme makeover. Classic surgery is not necessary. I guarantee you, you will be a rare person. If you're faithful, reliable, and you show courage in in your responsibilities. God's wired this attraction in between men and women for a reason. Because we need each other. We need what men bring to the table. We need what women bring to the table. And they are different characteristics and qualities that uniquely make us male and female. One of the things about men is that Marriages are going to stay together when men use their courage and strength to keep it together. That's the way he's wired us. So that should factor into to our thinking on it. There's some next steps at the bottom of your listening guide and in the connection card that you may want to look at and you might want to take. Uh, one of those could be to memorize 1 Corinthians 16:13 through 14. <clears throat> Remind yourself of what it means to be a man. Also, uh, we could read, you could choose to read uh, 1 Kings 20 through 22 this week. There's some insights for both men and women there. If you're a man and you've got a situation where you need to show strength and courage, don't slack, don't hang back, don't retreat. Show it this week. Decide to do that. If you're married, you may want to pray for your husband to grow in strength and courage. And if you're not, you may want to add strength and courage to your list of qualities that you're looking for and a man you would consider marrying. If you don't see him, stay away. Run. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the help that you give and the fact that you have called us to play a role in this life. And you've given us what we need to do. it. And I pray that you'd help us to grow in our understanding of what that is, God as men and as women, that we might understand our role and our place before you and that we might take that role and live it out for your glory and for your purpose. God, thank you for loving us in the person of Jesus Christ. You have not given up on us, but you have continued to pursue us. Even though we turned our back on you and ran our own direction away from you, you have pursued us in the person of Jesus Christ. And even while we were sinners, you died for us, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that you bring and the help that you bring. Help us, God, to experience your kindness and love and turn around and pour it out into those around us. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.